Where's my pen? What? Okay, Gretchen. Okay, Slade. Are you ready? Mm. Um, honestly, I'm like so discombobbled, but let's go. You know we what's so this. great about that? I'm just discombobbled because my child, when my child throws me, I'm the doctor would know. <laughs> like when the, when the child throws you off, it's just like, oh man. Straight up. That is no excuse because I'm like a child. I throw you off on a regular basis. <laughs> Good point. So you Good should point. be well prepared for what's about to happen. <laughs> so whether okay. you're ready or not, we're going to go. All, all I know is that I'm really happy we have a doctor on today <laughs> because clearly I need help. So I like good. to play doctor. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. It's another episode of Not Too Taboo. I'm here with my lady love, Gretchen Christine Rossi, the boss of my world, the mother of my child and uh, my queen. <laughs> Jeez, I got my queen today. Nice. Come on, you know I bow down. <laughs> I, I'm super excited about today. Me too. Like beyond. Yeah. Because we're not supposed to pick favorites. <laughs> we're already picking favorites, huh? I'm totally picking favorites. <laughs> There's Just so everybody knows, we're part of a very, very exclusive Stage 29 family. Woohoo! There's some incredible and talented and, and, and wickedly intelligent individuals that are part of this group. Why the hell were there? I don't know. But let's not question <laughs> that. Uh, the fact is, is that one of my favorite doctors, mm -hmm. one of my favorite people that's part of this family has joined us today. I know. I'm so excited. Me too. I'm going to read a little bit about her. Okay. It's a really long list of stuff. Wait, so you're going to read what I'm supposed to say? You, look at, see, he's already botching this No, out. no, 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 no. This, I'm, I'm just talking about, this is a very special episode. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Come on. Okay. You, you want to take, you're going to give credits. You're going to, you're going to read like her accolades. I want to talk about her accolades. All right. <laughs> Can I say that uh, she's a best-selling author? Yes, she is. Okay. Can I say she's an amazing colleague? Oh my gosh, here we go. I'm just checking. I mean, those are some things I wanted to get to, but okay. Uh, Gretchen, please introduce our guest. Oh my goodness gracious. Okay, so you guys, we have Dr. Judy Ho, who is a triple board certified clinical and forensic neuropsychologist, which by the way, I don't even know what that title means. So I'm going to ask her first at the gate what that means. Yeah, but the point is they gave you that because they knew you would be able to pronounce it better than me. But good point. But that's like a lot of like acronyms before just psychologists. So I have to ask her about that. She's a professor. She's a Really? What? I'm having a tough time already okay. this morning. You go, babe. It's, a, it's it. a long list. She's a smart lady. You keep going. <laughs> She's a professor at Pepperdine University, a researcher, and an author. She also has a private practice where she sees patients, and she is passionate about translating scientific tips for wellness, motivation, and productivity in practical and usable ways for everyone. So you guys, on her podcast, Supercharged Life, she delves into a variety of different topics to boost your mental and physical health and gives you tangible tips that you can put to use today to supercharge your self-development journey. So today we are going to talk all about her life-changing book, Stop Self-Sabotage. And we're so thrilled to have you with us, Dr. Judy, Judy Ho. Ho. Yay. Yay. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. Hi, Gretchen. Hi, Slade. The Hi, queen and doctor. the king are in the house, right? So Gretchen is the queen, then Slade is the king, and I don't know what but I am. Maybe I'm the court so sweet. Today. Because <laughs> I, I get title of jester normally, so if I, you know, she's elevating. I know, she, you went yeah. from jester to king, I Thank like Thank you, it. doctor. I knew there was really she's my favorite. She's my favorite. We're excited to have you today because on our last podcast, we actually started talking a little bit about self sabotaging and why people do this, why people don't even recognize that they do it, why people can't stop doing it, like all the things that, you know, all of us think about, but we never really like delve into it. So it's really amazing for you to be here today because not only are you a, wait a minute, I got to say the word right because a forensic <laughs> neuropsychologist, okay, which I'm still- Clinical and forensic I'm still like confused what that means. So you're going to have to explain <laughs> that to me. Um, but you wrote a book all about self-sabotage. So first of all, let's talk a little bit about those credentials. Help me understand what that even means. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm a clinical and forensic neuropsychologist, which means that I actually wear several different hats when I work with patients and also some crossover work into the legal setting. And so I treat patients, I evaluate them, I find out how their brain works, what diagnoses they have, how I can put together a good treatment plan to help them get better. But also oftentimes I'm retained in civil or criminal cases 
to evaluate people and find out exactly what's going on in their brains and their minds and what that means, not only about whether or not they can get better through treatment, but in the criminal sphere, it's things like, can they even stand trial? Do they understand right from wrong and how likely they are to reoffend later if they've already been convicted of a crime? So that gets a little bit more serious, but it's it's all part of the work that I do. Yeah, but you know what's interesting scary. about that? That's a little that's a little scary. That's a little deep. Okay, so first of all, I have a degree in psychology with a minor in family studies and child development. Nothing oh. the level that you're at, but I have at least a clue. Okay. But here's the thing. When I went to school and I thought, oh, maybe one day I'll get, you know, my PhD and like go further with this and become a clinical psychologist or psychiatrist or whatnot, I would have never in a million years been like, Yes. Okay. Now I want to be a A forensic forensic neuropsychologist. And then just the thought of like having to be like in a court system with somebody, let's say, cause Mm. it sounds like it's something serious. Like if somebody murdered somebody and like, they don't even remember it or know or whatever, or they're not mentally sane or whatever. That's like, that's like a Mm -hmm. big burden to carry. It definitely feels more serious in, in terms of this could be a person's life and they might stay in prison longer or get out right. earlier, partially because of what you're recommending. And so I, I get very perfectionistic yes. about my work. Like I, I triple check everything because again, I'm only one person and one opinion, but I never, sometimes I don't want to have that much impact on someone's life. You know? I know. That's yeah. why, that's why I'm asking that question. Cause immediately when you said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I would think that would be like a heavy burden to carry. So do you, so you actually have to meet with these people and like evaluate them. So in the criminal cases, I've had to evaluate these people who are already in prison. I'll have to go to a maximum security prison. They take all my stuff away from me so I can't have my phone. I can't have any of my personal devices. And I'm literally helpless in there. I actually had a very scared straight experience the last time I went to evaluate an inmate. Uh, They ditched me. I had no idea where anybody went. They told me, the guards told me they were going to go get the prisoner for me to evaluate. And then I was in a seclusion room by myself for over an hour. I, oh. I had no way of contacting anyone. I was by myself. And oh then my it's like a skiff, right? Because they've taken all your yeah. stuff. <gasps> yeah. I had oh, no idea. Oh I was like, where's my gosh. stuff? I have no way to contact anyone. So finally, they come back over an hour later with the inmate, and the guard is like, I'm so sorry, but there was a fight that broke out in the yard, and then we got distracted. We were busy managing that. I'm like, okay, fine. So then we start doing our work, and then I needed to go to the bathroom. So I had to tell the guard, can I please go to the bathroom? So he radios the central tower to open a door for me to go to the bathroom, and I noticed that they were opening a cell for me a cell where you can see into the cell and the bathroom was just right there. And I said, do you, did you want me to go in Wait the bathroom? Wait a minute. Here? Come on. Yes. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm so confused. Like, so people can watch me. I, I'm I, what, what's happening. And then the guard said, Oh my gosh, miscommunication. We thought that it was the inmate that needed to go to the bathroom. And all of a sudden this like door just opens and there's no markings on the door. And of course it's like a pristine, beautiful staff bathroom, but I actually thought I was going to have to go in like, you know, I, like I said, this was a scared straight experience. I mean, oh, I'm not my ever going to break the law, right? You just never want to break the law and never be no. finding yourself in that kind of situation. See, I just, that no. to me is like me. creepy guard knew better and that's, they tried to get you to I, go in there to do it. That's literally what I was just thinking. I was just thinking they're like, let's see if we can get this chick to go to the bathroom yeah. in front of us. Do I don't you, know. And I assume you dress down a lot when you go. Do something oh, like yeah. That. Yeah, oh, definitely. I'm completely yeah. covered. I wear a suit. You know, I yeah. just, I just keep it. I keep it really straight. I just don't want to. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, but that actually makes me re- feel really scared sometimes where, yeah. I mean, again, you just don't realize you're so lucky to have all your freedoms and liberties. And when I you know. go into a maximum security prison, oh, well, anyway. we're, we're lucky right now. We'll see if that changes over time. <laughs> don't get me started on that subject. Okay. Okay, so let's, I want to kind of like dissect this, okay? And, you know, I've read about your book and I think it's important that we, or I shouldn't say read about your book. I, I, we did the audio thing of your book, but here's the thing. I want, I feel like we can talk of like the main stuff about, you know, the acronyms and all this stuff, but I want to like delve into it even a little bit deeper and actually maybe talk about somebody's like actual situation, whether it be slight I think we're going to talk about Slade today. Um, you know, I'm really like what those practical things are that people out there can really do 
to to really stop self-sabotaging themselves and really recognize that they are self-sabotaging themselves. Because I think that a lot of the times we might take a, you know, the quiz or do stuff like this and then we're like, yeah, maybe we do that. But then they don't really apply it to their life. And I think that this is a really important subject because I think so many people don't get ahead in their lives and they are their own worst enemy. I know so many people in my life like that and I'm probably one of them. And I just really want to like take away something so tangible that everyone is like, okay, I'm going to really you know, come out of this so empowered not to self-sabotage myself anymore. But you want an action plan, right? Because I bet you come across people who wonder why they haven't achieved success or they wonder why people around them are achieving things that they're not achieving themselves or in their own lives, but they really don't know how to probably Mm self-evaluate the actions that they take or the decisions they make that lead to, you know, their lack of success or their inactivity in certain areas. Mm -hmm. So you want an action plan. You want to be able I to do. give someone a tool that they can actually put into put put into place and and come back to us and say, "Let that really help change the, the direction right. of my life." Absolutely. So okay. No pressure, doctor. No. <laughs> That's what uh, Gretchen wants. I know, but no. I mean, I guess the best first question is: is why did you even write this book? Where did this come from? Why did you decide to write this? Well, first of all, I think that self-sabotage is universal and it affects Mm -hmm. all of us. And so I love that you guys are saying, hey, this happens to me personally from time to time. But, you know, it happens to all of us. We all self-sabotage from time to time. And that's really why I wanted to write this book, because I saw it in every single person. You know, I've self-sabotaged my family, my friends, coworkers, patients, of course. And generally, self-sabotage is not this phenomenon where your whole life is a hot mess. Like that's not it. Right. It's it's that generally your life is together, but just a couple of areas. Why can't you keep moving forward? What is the deal? And that obviously yeah. gets people down. They'll even use the word self-sabotage or they'll say they got in their own way. And then it just kind of felt like there were no action steps. And that's why I'm so glad that you guys started this conversation by saying, we want those action steps. Because that's why I decided to write this book. It's like, we all self-sabotage. It's a human thing. So let's get a plan together and let's defeat this. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Now, now, did you do that because, meaning, did you write the book because of your practice and seeing that happening a lot in your practice? Or was it something personal that you saw in yourself and you were like, you know what, I need to help other people with this? Well, you know, I think it's both. I saw it a lot in my patients, a lot of my family members, a lot of my friends. But I also realized that for myself, when I was in my 20s, especially, my biggest self-sabotage thing was procrastination. It was like... Mm. I thought in my head that if I waited till the last minute, I was going to produce my best work. It was the weirdest thing. I don't really know why I came up with that idea, but at some point I did. And I think part of it is also because I was perfectionistic. So sometimes I didn't really want to get started until I was like in the right mindset or, you know, I had a whole big chunk of time. And, you know, eventually you mess up. Eventually you have a total failure and you don't get something done and you have no excuse for it because whatever, you were given this project two weeks ago and you ended up pulling an all-nighter and not doing your best work. And so I definitely saw that in myself a lot in my early 20s. Um, And then I saw that it was happening all over the place in relationships. People say that they wanted good romantic relationships. They kept going for the wrong people, right? Or they say that they want that promotion at work, but they keep getting in their own way and stalling their progress. Or they say that I'm going to finally get that exercise routine going or eat healthier. And then they'll have one little slip up and then they just throw the entire goal out the window. Forget it. I guess I'm just not cut out for this. So it happens in every sphere of life, but in general, most people do pretty well in a lot of their life. And there's just like one or two things that they keep doing this with. Do you feel like she's talking about me? <laughs> I was just gonna <laughs> laugh. No, so what's interesting is I think I think you and I both procrastinate for sure. Yes. Yeah. When you were talking about procrastination, the first thing that came into my head was here's the problem. We we procrastinate, but I think at the end of the day, I can't sit back and say there was a time where I didn't get it done. No, that's true. You're good at that. I mean, I I actually am I actually don't procrastinate as much as you. He's like, he goes right to the, like the 11th hour, but he really does always get it done. But like you said, I think there's something to be said for, you might still get it done, but it might not be quite at the level that you know you could have got it done had you not procrastinated that long or whatnot. Are you attacking my work right now, Gretchen? (laughs) You're making an accusation that's underhanded about my work. I'm just saying that I think it's such a good point. So It's a very good point. So how did you overcome that procrastination? How did you figure that out? And how did you start, you know, do you set goals? Do you set limits? Do you say, okay, you know, like how did you get out of that rut? 
Well, you know, I think a lot of it was really actually confronting the problem at first. And sometimes you get away with it. Like we just talked about, you know, you procrastinate, mm-hmm. but then you do a good job. And then people will say, you did a great job. And you're like, oh, I'm amazing. This is awesome. But right. eventually you don't get away with it. And I think that then you have to really be honest with yourself and say, what are the thoughts that are leading to me essentially repeating this pattern over and over again, like again, trying the same thing over and over and then getting the same outcome and then being upset with that outcome. So you you do have to sort of confront that first. And it's never comfortable to confront something about yourself that maybe you don't like. But once you can acknowledge it and recognize it, that's when you can put a plan together. And I think that a lot of what self-sabotage in you know, instills in people is that they have this feeling, something about themselves that they don't like. And a lot of times we try to run away from that. We distract ourselves. We think about something else. We try to explain it away. And that's why the problem never gets solved. And so the first step is really the hardest step, which is having more awareness of your thinking and what's leading you down these patterns. Hmm. That's interesting. So what do you think is the reason for you procrastinating? I'm so curious. Well, I can tell Come you. Come on, let's evaluate you right now. Okay. Doctor, let's evaluate uh, Slade. <laughs> so my biggest hang up right now is uh, I, I have 25 pounds heavier than I should be. Mm-hmm. And I always want to get back into my exercise and workout routine and eating better. But then it's not my fault. There's Tootsie Rolls in the cabinet. <laughs> See, he's blaming other people for his lack of success or lack of Lack of discipline. Uh-huh. It's a lack of discipline. That's yeah. what it is. It's do a lack you, of time and sleep. Okay, it's but do you sleep. see a lot of people blaming other things in their lives for issues that they have? Is that that's like got to be number thing? one? Actually, nobody likes to take personal responsibility for their failures. Right. It's always someone oh, else's fault. Definitely, and I think while it feels again temporarily really good to blame somebody else for something that didn't work out for you, it also starts to put this idea in your head that it's out of your control. And mm-hmm. actually, it's not. It, it is in your control. The, the, the part of you that might self-sabotage, there is a part of that that you can control. And sometimes all of it is under your control. And so once you can actually get comfortable with that idea, that's when you can make changes. Because if you always think that it's somebody else's fault that uh, you're not getting the success that you want in a certain area, then why would you ever change your behaviors? Because you're blaming someone else. This is not anything to do with you. It's just bad luck. It's because they had it out for you. It's because, you know, they put the ice cream in front of you <laughs> and uh, you <laughs> right. weren't going to eat it unless it was in front of you. That's what my husband says. I, we've been eating a lot of ice cream lately. And uh, <laughs> a- after dinner, we'll I'll put it out and he'll say, stop putting it in front of me because I'm going to eat it. I'm like, well, you could also just not eat it. I could eat it and you can just watch me eat it. But no, he, he definitely blames me for that. <laughs> for sure. So I think you should pick something of me that you know that I constantly self-sabotage myself about. With you the eating, to, for sure. Is it? Oh, totally. Totally. Because it's like, I can't even tell you how many times. I have so okay. many excuses for this. So, so I can't even tell you how many times he legitimately will like be, and he means it. And this is the part that I love about him. He's like, we got to eat healthier. We got to do, we, and it's like, and it's always a, we, it's a never a me. It's always like a, we, we have to do it together. And so, um, so I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like I, so like perfect example was yesterday. Okay. I woke up and it was exactly what you just said. It was like, I all of a sudden realized like, you know what? I have control over my fitness and my health and my, this and my, that, like, It doesn't matter what he's doing. I have control over this. And I think you're right for that last couple months. I should say quarantine because I think all of us during quarantine were making this excuse up. But during quarantine, it was just like I wasn't taking um, responsibility for my own like health and whatnot. And so yesterday morning, I before I went to bed um, yesterday morning, I literally was like, I'm waking up and I'm making a change. Like, that's it. I'm changing. So I woke up in the morning and I worked out and I, and I ate my oatmeal. And then I physically got in a car and drove to get my kale salad with salmon and this and that there. And then last night, normally I do like a little bit of ice cream or a little chocolate thing at night. And I said, no. And instead I made this chocolate protein shake so that it would satisfy 
the, you know, the, the sweet tooth. The sweet tooth. And I like went to bed and I felt really great about it. And I was like, you know what? I have control over this. It doesn't matter what he's doing. It doesn't matter what's going on there. It doesn't matter if he doesn't want to eat the same thing I want to eat. Cause I even called him for lunch. I was like, do you want, do you want me to pick you up a nice salad? No, no, no. So I, it was so. I said, no, 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 because Lucky Charms are. A, a, yeah, exactly. A good food. So it was incredibly empowering to take your power back and to be like, you know what? It doesn't matter what anybody else around me is doing, saying anything. I have complete control over this. And I, for me at least, that is the first step I think that people need to take is they have to take that control back and they have to recognize that they have the ability to change it. Nobody nobody else is going to show up for you. That's the other key. No one is going to show up for you. There's not going to magically be a chef in your kitchen unless you're uber rich and you can afford to have a chef every day. No one is going to show up for you and except for yourself. So you have to make that decision to do that. I could not even <laughs> let you two hang out together. <laughs> you, you guys would talk for days. I know. But, but where he sabotages a lot, I feel like, is he always is like, yes, I want to do this. I want to do this. And then, you know, it, yes, we do have the excuses of like, a baby, we're tired, we don't sleep, whatever. And then you just get in a position where you're hungry and you're frustrated and you just grab the first thing that you can grab to it's eat. desperation. But again, it's about that. It's the procrastination again. So if you know that that's what you're always tending to do, then we have to meal prep on Sundays or we have to make sure that we have mm -hmm. like meals coming or whatever. Like you have to take the steps to say, okay, yes, this is always the predicament I feel like I'm in and the last minute and I'm eating crap, but I have to like prepare something. Or am, am I speaking, um, making sense, doctor? <laughs> You're absolutely right on. That is exactly it. Because self-sabotage isn't something that just happens once and never comes back. It's a pattern. It's a pattern that yeah. developed. And so unless you're willing to take a look at that pattern and look at your thoughts that lead to that pattern, it's not going to change. But it is right. so empowering when you can make that shift of like, this is within my control. Because if I see the pattern, then I can have a plan ahead of time. And when I see myself going toward that pattern, just like the beginning inklings of it, you can say, oh, I can catch it already. I see the trigger. And we're going to turn this around right now. And I actually already have a plan for that. And I know what I'm going to do. And then once you feel that level of control over your own experience and your own behaviors, it is so empowering. And I feel like, especially right now, we all need a little bit more of that. You know, this whole last year with the pandemic, everybody just feels like everything's so out of their control. It is so stressful, yeah. right? Nobody wants yeah. that. Like the human being in the human mind, we need to feel like things are under our control. Even when they're not, we have to have that, you know, perception that it is so that we can mm -hmm. feel safe. Of course, right now, nobody feels safe because you have no right. idea what's going to happen tomorrow. It's like something opens one day, the next day they're closed again. You know, yep. uh, you're supposed to be able to do this. And now there's another travel advisory. I mean, all of these things mm -hmm. keep changing. So it's a really good time to focus on the things that you can control. And self-sabotage is definitely something you can control because it starts with the word self. Like this has to do right. with you. It doesn't have to do with other people sabotaging you. This is something that you're doing to yourself inadvertently. There's no blame or shame about it because it's universal, but let's start changing that dialogue today and making some positive steps towards a better life now. Yeah. Now you came up with this really cool acronym called LIFE, L-I-F-E, to help identify certain areas within your life that maybe you are um, taking part in these self-sabotaging activities and to better identify how to start getting on a path of correcting that. Can you explain a little bit about this process and then about the quiz that you've made available? Yes, absolutely. So we all have different personalities, wants, interests, and, and whatnot. And that's why everybody's life factor is a little different. You know, what are our underlying drivers that lead us down the path of self-sabotage? For all of us, it's different, but I think it boils down to four factors and everybody has a different combination of these factors. So life stands for four types of things that could lead you down the path to self-sabotage. L stands for low or shaky self-esteem. Now, self-esteem, obviously it has a lot of different components. You could have like a great athletic self-esteem, but maybe not a great relationship self-esteem. So there's all these aspects of yourself and you may feel more confident about certain areas than others. But if there is an area about your life that you're not as confident on, that may be the area that you self-sabotage sometimes because, again, you don't believe that good outcomes can happen for you in this particular area. I stands for internalized beliefs. These are things that we learn from childhood. 
from our early experiences from important adults in our life. So one example is if you had a very anxious parent, um, they were very anxious. They were always talking to you about, you know, watching where you walk. Don't go out. Don't stay out too late. Everything's a, a big problem. Well, pointing to me as a child, it's annoying. But as an adult, you all of a sudden realize, uh oh, I'm turning into my mom or dad. You know, you have some of those same beliefs that you adopted when you were young. And that's because things really imprint very strongly on us in our early years when we're just learning about the world. F stands oh, for Gretchen's fear been imp of imprinted. Yeah. <laughs> I mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Have. No, no, it's okay. It's so wild how much that how that how much that <laughs> relates to me. Just even the it's funny you just said that because I never even thought about the anxiety side of things, but that's like right? really funny because I'm totally anxiety driven in my adult life and you know my mom was the mom that would literally send the articles of the girl that just got chopped up and put in the freezer, you know, to me every week when I was at college. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And so whenever I would ever be out or doing something or whatever, like all my friends just thought I was crazy. Cause I was like, okay, look behind you. Do you have your mace? What's going on? You know, like, and I was just always on edge. And so, and I think I'm still always on edge because of like you're saying, it's just instilled in you as a young child and you didn't even realize that, you know, that was happening. So sorry. I didn't mean to yeah, cut, you, I off. cut no. you off at F. I'm sorry. No, I'm so glad that you guys related to that. And I'm so glad you shared that because I think it's such a common experience and people don't realize they don't put the two and two together until they really think about it. Whoa, I think I might've adopted this from my parents and certainly my parents too. I mean, just even their values, what they found important, right? As a child, right. that didn't seem like I should care that much about that. But now as an adult, I'm like, uh oh, right. I really feel like I'm adopting the personality traits of both my parents in different ways. And so right. it's absolutely right. And then F stands for fear of change or the unknown. So Clearly, most human beings, I mean, we don't love a lot of change. We don't love a ton of novelty. As I mentioned before, we kind of like to have control over things. But some personalities have a harder time with that. Some personalities have a harder time when they don't know what's coming up. Um, when you try to change things on them, they don't like it. And that can get in their way when they're trying to reach a goal. Because obviously, there's going to be all kinds of changes and things that you haven't seen ahead of time. And you're going to have to roll with it and be flexible. And that can be hard for some people. And then E is for excessive need for control. So this is for the perfectionists, the achievers, right? The, Me. Yeah. <laughs> Me. The, the control freaks. And I'm raising my yes. hand as well. Yes. Um, you know, and I say this in the most endearing way because I see myself as a total type A personality. My Me husband too. is as well. We literally sometimes will get into like a little tiff for no reason, like about when or how we should turn off a light. I mean, it's like, why is that important? <laughs> and he's like, I you should it. turn it off like this. I'm like, no, I turned it off like this. I'm like, it is literally a switch. Why are we, what are we, right. there's only one way what to turn off a light. What are about? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do the but same that can thing. happen. Yeah, that can do. happen. And, and that, that excessive need for control can sometimes hold us back as well because if we can't be every part of the process, like having difficulties delegating, you know, having difficulty trusting other people to do certain yeah. things for us, that can get in the way of us achieving the goals that we want in our lives too. That's so true. So, okay. So now that we've gone through those acronyms and now that we can all recognize in each one of those areas where we struggle, how do you go about fixing those or helping with those? Is it this well, quiz? I want to hear up? first. I want to hear first what your life factors are, what Slade's life factors are and what your life factors are, Gretchen. Did you guys take the quiz? <laughs> so I have it right here. So Slade has it. Okay. So I started, I started, I think I got through one and a half pages. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. But here's the thing, the, the, the quiz, and this will be a good question for anyone out there that takes this quiz. This is like a self-sabotage assessment that Dr. Judy Ho does to help you kind of assess yourself. And if you're self-sabotaging, sabotaging yourself. Um, but like, so for instance, like this first question, the way you feel about yourself on any given day depends largely on situational factors, what others say about you, how others respond to you, or what your weight is on the scale. So mm -hmm. my question for you on that is if you're a girl and you're PMSing, that totally could be different for you than on just regular days. And so- <laughs> Is that acceptable? Because I was actually feeling, so, filling things out for Gretchen and the answer <laughs> was just supposed to be a check mark, but I wrote, on, when she's on her menstrual cycle. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's like, a check. That's a check. But like legit, what's interesting about that is I was like, you know, the overall, like how I overall feel about myself. No. Would I say it's defined by those things? No. But is there definitely days that I wake up like, 
you know, um, like I was talking about just feeling yucky. It was like a couple of days ago. I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I just don't feel good in my own skin right now. I don't feel comfortable getting in clothes. I don't feel confident like I used to. And it's like, so yeah, I wake up and I get frustrated about that or like, sure. But- is there some days that like, you know, I'm left out of like a party or being invited somewhere or doing something that I just feel like crap and my self-worth feels like, oh my gosh, am I, I'm not worthy enough to be with those friends or whatever. Yeah. Gee, do you I think have, I'm married to a psychologist? <laughs> it's supposed to be in general. So like most yes. days, do you feel this way? It's not for you to actually pick apart every question and like have a full hour session about it. <laughs> Just FYI. This is in general. That's, if that's you feel my this voice. way more often than not, then that's where yes. the check goes. Okay. That's how this goes. Okay. Slate so, is correct. <laughs> Okay. I d- you can thank me later, doctor. I did that to save you. <laughs> I because love it. <laughs> you guys would have been there for like three hours psychoanalyzing. Well, why does I the do. squirrel go around I the tree? Why does he just pick up the nuts? That- if the nuts are there, the squirrel should just pick them up. Why is he going in circles? I think that's actually part of my own self-sabotage is I think I like over analyze and, and like, I'm such like a critical thinker to like a whole other level. It's, it's like, it's too much. Yes. I get psychoanalyzed on the daily (laughs) here. You can use my test results and you can actually tell the doctor what happened here. So Slade got, uh, so mostly A's, uh, two and then mostly B's one, mostly C's zero, mostly D's three. So that's the highest number. So because that's the highest number, then I fall within this category. Wait, wait. Oh, it spells it all out for you. That's yes, it amazing. does. See what's really okay. cool. So I'm, uh, since I was mostly D's, I'm excessive and need for control. Oh, okay. So depending on, okay. So once you go through this, um, this quiz, doctor, you, you find out if you're mostly A's, mostly B's, mostly C's, mostly D's. And then you yeah. look and you read what mm-hmm. that section is. And then, okay. Yeah. So for instance, with, with Slade, he's mostly D's. So excessive need for control, which I find that very interesting. Really? I don't feel like it's you, an, it's an underlying need. I don't, I don't, that's right. interesting. I feel like that wouldn't be you. I don't feel like no. you really present that way. That's because I have to let you think you're in control. <laughs> but ah. You and I both really know I have an excessive yeah. need to be in control. Even if I have to let you believe you're in control. So wait, ex- explain that to me, doctor. So like if somebody's mostly D's, their excessive need for control. Mm-hmm. And like with Slade, talk to me a little bit about that. I'm a, I'm a D and an A. Yeah, you're D and then secondarily you're an A. So yeah, excessive need for control. I'm not surprised at all. I mean, you guys are both alphas, clearly. You guys are like mm-hmm. the power couple. And oh, thank you. as Slade She's mentioned, so nice. sometimes one person in the power couple has to give a little bit in certain situations, but in their mind, it's like a, it's like a conscious giving. It's like, I'm going to let her have this one and maybe I'll save up my bank for something else that I want later. You know, totally um, how yeah. many times do it's I tell totally you I'm putting credits insane. in the bank, baby? It how is. Many times? <laughs> You're totally right. That is Slade. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And, and actually I really resonate with what Slade's saying, because as both of us talked about, we have the propensity to sometimes procrastinate and procrastination mm-hmm. is actually one of the hidden, uh, traps of people who are resonating with this idea of excessive need for control. The procrastination sometimes is actually a downfall of a type of perfectionism. You don't want to get started on something until you like really can devote the time or when you like really have conceptualized everything the way that you want. And then before you know it, you ran out of time and you're like, "Uh oh, now I just have to like pull some crap together. Um, And then sometimes it's worse than someone who doesn't. But you're so right on because I will honestly tell you, I think it's been a true struggle for most of my life. And I have to keep reminding myself that rather than getting ready to go to work, I just have to go to work. But I have always yeah. been really focused on, and so many people do, is that they're getting ready to do the work, getting ready. And I've had to convince myself that I'm more better off taking a step in the wrong direction because it puts me closer to a step in the right one. So I have to just take yep. the action. But my yep. whole life was always about getting ready to go to work versus just going to work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've had yeah, to but- learn that because I'm old. Yeah, but that's not that's not actually the, the actually going to work. I just want to clarify for everyone out there. That's not actually that's just like a a, a metaphorical statement. No, Is that it's a not. word? Metaphorical? No, it's not. It means even though you're not prepared necessarily to take the action, you just take the action. Because, no, I'm saying yeah. because all the people out there always say Slade never went to work. Slade never worked. I'm, that's what I'm talking about, you tool. Oh my gosh. Why are you <laughs> talking about them? They don't know what I do. I, that's my point. I just don't want somebody to manipulate what you're saying. <laughs> it's like a more <laughs> of a See? Do you, see, see, Gretchen checks that box where I'm worried about what other people think. 
I don't yeah. care. No, excuse me. See, see, the see? box that I'm checking is the press that will write all this crazy crap about you. Let them, let them talk about it, because then Judy can go fix them all. I'm the and one. We're gonna buy your book. I'm the one that gets all the crap on social media. That's true. So. Everybody go ahead and tweet me. I won't <laughs> respond and I probably won't see it. You'll just, oh you'll just pass it along to Gretchen to figure it out for you. <laughs> pass it along but to Gretchen. If I was to take a guess, I think maybe Gretchen would be also excessive need for control because we've already discussed totally. that being the power couple totally. thing. And then maybe your secondary one is the internalized beliefs because you said that you resonated yeah. with that a little bit from your upbringing. Yeah. And so, you know, I think all I think of us have sure. sort of these combinations of these life factors, but it, it makes so much sense, right? Because that's just how we make sense of the world. And then you get yourself into a certain pattern. So like with internalized beliefs, for example, sometimes you'll self-sabotage because maybe you're a little too careful or maybe you're a little too detail oriented if you grew up with some of those beliefs. And then it makes it harder for you just to say, whatever, like, I'm just going to go for it. And actually, I've seen a little bit of that just in our conversation, because Gretchen, you're way more detail oriented. Like even just that first question, you're like, um, I got stuck because what about the days of my period? <laughs> <laughs> totally. That's I the part totally. of Gretchen Christine that people don't know. Totally. <laughs> totally. But, but in fairness, and I know you know this. Um, when you study anything that has to do with psychology, I mean, mm -hmm. the questions that you get on your exams, they are like 28 pages long and they're so analytical and you have to like dissect every single little detail of every word in the question. You live for this. Though. And it's like it's like you, you're almost like trained to think yeah. a, like such an analytical like. You yeah, know, critical thinking. Critical but she thinking. loves this, by the way. She loves studying human beings. Yeah. Why yeah, do they do what they do? Why did you make that decision? How come you said that? Fascinating. Yeah. She, she loves it. Well, that's why so, we're okay, both psychology so, majors. <laughs> I, right? I totally it's like get it. Fascinating. So, you know, something as I was like going through a little bit of this quiz and thinking about things like the internalized traditions um, that we have. Okay. So what I realized, and I think this is also kind of some important information for parents out there and me being a new parent, like I really want to make sure that I'm cautious of this with my child. Um, because what you're doing now as a parent can affect your children much, you know, later in life. And I realized that there was this thing that my parents did to me that, and by the way, my parents are the most amazing, incredible people ever. And I don't fault them at all for this, but it's interesting how what they thought at the time was really beneficial to me has affected me a little bit negatively throughout my life. And so as a little girl, I would, you know, I would do something, I would be successful at or whatever. And it would always be like, that was really good. But mm -hmm. imagine if you did it this way, it could be mm -hmm. even better. And it's like, it forced me to always try and be better and do good or, you know what I mean? Like take it to the next level and excel even more. So I'm so grateful for that in that area. But then there's other parts of my life that I've realized or I've come to realize that it actually has has forced me to feel as if I'm unworthy of some things mm -hmm. because uh, unworthy or like if I'm not like we were talking about earlier, if I'm not invited to an event or, you know, if I get left out of something or whatever, I somehow associate that with my worthiness. And mm -hmm. and it's like and, and I sit there and I think to myself, like, I don't. I don't feel like I have low self-esteem. So why does this mm -hmm. affect me that much? Because I don't consider myself, I wouldn't, you know, diagnose myself as somebody with low self-esteem per se, but I get so affected. So would mm -hmm. you say that has a deep connection to what was happening in my childhood? And if it does, how do I, how do I get out of that? Well, it's a great question. And I think, again, so relatable. I think it resonates with so many people because when you're a go-getter, that, that came from somewhere. Either you watched your parents and they were go-getters or like they instilled in you that like, this isn't good enough. You have to keep going. And like you said, really thankful for that type of teaching because mm -hmm. I wish more people honestly would have that kind of teaching. Yeah. I mean, I, I myself, I believe I had some tiger parents, you know, and, uh, it actually mm -hmm. helped me, you know, to, to, to yeah. work harder. But at the same time, sometimes it kind of starts to be convoluted in that your own personal self-worth is so tied up in your achievements and like tangible mm -hmm. things that you're, mm -hmm. you're making your mark on, or you're getting to the next level. Like all of those things are so important that, sometimes it's hard just to accept that even when you're just there and you're just being, or when you made a mistake or you like actually don't have any big goals for this weekend, that you still feel just as valuable on that day as another day mm -hmm. when you just like killed something, you know, like just right. really went after a huge goal. And so I think that that's always a tough thing to balance that, you know, um, that you are actually somebody of worth and it's the same level of worth even on a day when you're just sitting on the couch and doing absolutely nothing with your life 
mm-hmm. as you are on a day when you know you debut a huge project that you've been working on. And, and I think that that's hard to grapple with when you grow up with that sort of incessant idea of like, there's always a next level. There's always better, you know, there's always the next thing to do. Um, and that, that, that can happen to a lot of people who work hard. Yeah. Well, but and it's, it's, it's really hard to unpack that. Mm-hmm. Meaning that what if there is a sibling or someone else in the house that doesn't receive the information the same way? What if they weren't able to actually achieve some success and now suddenly their self-worth starts to really just plummet? Because right. they're seeing the success happen with the other sibling, but the other person didn't achieve what they wanted to. And then all of a sudden it goes in a completely different direction, even though they receive the same information at the same time from the same parents. Exactly. So it's, you're right. The balance of that and how you deliver the information is so critical. And it, it's it's varied based upon the personality True. of the individual, right? Yep. But That's here's right. my question. So, doctor, for someone like that, like, how do you what would be your suggestion or thought? Because as I talked about at the very beginning of this, like, I want to find tangible things that people can actually really start to do in their everyday lives. Like, what would you suggest to somebody like if I was your your patient? Can we be her kids? Couch, we could be your kids. She could be like, you know, and I was explaining to you that's that struggle. Yeah. Um, that I've, that I've somehow, you know, been able to recognize now that, uh, you know, in so many ways in my life, it's been such a beneficial thing, but there's other areas in my life that it actually affects me negatively. What would you suggest? How do you mm-hmm. overcome that? What do you do in those moments? Well, this is a great question because we're getting down to those tangibles, the practical tips that people can walk away with. And now that you understand your life factors and where the drivers of self-sabotage are coming from, then it makes sense why you think the ways that you do. And Slate Mm -hmm. actually just alluded to this, this idea of like two people can grow up in the same household, but the messaging that they take, part of it's their personality and how they think about things. You know, an event can happen to two people, but one person can have a thought about it and that can lead them down a path of feeling good that day. And another person could have a totally different kind of interpretation. And that just leads them to have a horrible day. They like crawl back into their bed and they just do nothing. And that has to do with your thoughts, your interpretation of the objective things that happen to us. And in terms of how to get out of it, now that you realize, for example, I'll just take you as an example, Gretchen, that you realize that you have sort of this duality of, I work really hard, I try to get it, but then sometimes I feel bad about myself, if I haven't gone as far as I wanted to, or maybe I got left Mm -hmm. out of this thing. I wonder if it was me, if I could have done something Mm -hmm. better, blah, blah, blah. Well, those are thought patterns that you can start identifying. And in my book, I talk about some of the most common thought patterns, but some of the ones are things like black and white thinking. So black and white thinking is a type of cognitive behavioral thought pattern that we talk about where essentially you make one mistake and it's like, okay, well, that's whole thing is blown. You know, it's very easy for you just to go kind of all the way in the other direction instead of like, okay, everybody Mm. makes mistakes, whatever, keep moving. Um, But sort of having this judgment of like, either I'm having an A plus day or I'm having an F day. There's no in between. Another really Mm -hmm. common thought pattern is that catastrophizing that a lot of people do. Like something bad happens and you think, okay, well, that's it. Like it's going to just completely spiral from here. And I'm not going to be able to get back where I was. Um, maybe last night, maybe yesterday, I was just thinking about this and here it is happening again. You know, this is going to be my life forever. And sometimes people will have thought patterns where there's a lot of social comparisons. You know, you compare yourself to people. And even when people tell you, you guys are both doing this really well, your interpretation might be, nope, I never measure up. I'm just not as good as my sister. I'm just not as good as this other colleague of mine. And that, of course, can get you down. You know, comparing ourselves to people's highlight reels. I mean, obviously, that's happening so much right now. On social media media now. It's the worst. Yeah. So, yeah. So people develop these thought patterns and they come from the life factors. You know, the life factors drive you towards certain types of thought patterns. And then once you understand what those thought patterns are, you're like, okay, now that I know this is actually happening, then I can do something about it because I can then change my thought patterns. You know, a lot of times we go through life not knowing our thought patterns because our brain is trying to conserve Mm -hmm. energy. So if you have the same kind of thoughts over and over, it's actually going to start ignoring it. So you forget, you forget to have awareness of it, but it still impacts how you feel and what you do. Mm -hmm. So would you say like on days that I'm like struggling with that, would you say like, go listen to positive affirmations or go listen to Tony Robbins or well, <laughs> Mel or even, whoever, you even know? Even before that though, she just said something really important. She said that if there is a pattern of thought that happens on a regular basis, what happens is you start to ignore it because it's something that you've conditioned yourself to, to do on a regular basis, but your body still chemically reacts to the thought. Right. 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 So it, it can cause some 
subconscious depression to happen. You may have had this thought. You didn't think anything about it. It happens all the time. No big deal. But why am I so depressed today? Why am I not motivated to get things done? Mm -hmm. Right. So maybe there's something, something there about when you start having those particular feelings, you go back and self-assess. Yes. Did something happen that's happening on a regular basis to me that's causing me to feel this way? That's a trigger for the self-assessment so that you can get out of the repetitive thinking. Which I get that. But I guess my point being is that we can sit there and it, it, once once somebody's acknowledged it, like I was talking about, I think I've acknowledged maybe the reasons why I have these thoughts or these feelings. I'm trying to figure out what the practical step is that I can right. do in that moment where I'm struggling, where I'm, you know, I mean, and there's the basic things of like, go outside, take a walk, like that sort of stuff. But is there anything deeper that I'm missing other than those basic things of like, you know, get outside, clear your head, put put some positive thoughts in your head. Like, is there mm-hmm. anything else that I'm missing that, you know, we as a listener or whatnot can do to, why are you shaking your head? Because there is. There Change is. your state, <laughs> Gretchen. Be Tony Robbins. Yeah, but a lot of people, especially people that are like, literally have depression, they can't just wake up and be like, okay, right. I'm fine. Let me right. change my state. So that's exactly that's right. what I'm talking about. It's like, yep. how, what are the little, because you know what I'm saying? When you see yep. something that seems so intangible, seems so far away, let's say you're really depressed and like, you don't even mm-hmm. want to get out of bed. It's like, you can't just be like, just wake up and do it. It's like, what are the yep. little tangible steps that we can start yes. to take maybe on a daily basis to start changing our thought process or stop changing those negative thoughts in our head? You're so yes. analytical, Gretchen. So first of all, Gretchen, great points. You're absolutely right that sometimes when you're in the dumps, like, you know, this idea of like, just read positive affirmations. Like, it's not going to work all the time. No, we're going to talk about something deeper and something that actually is quicker to do. And what I wanted to also add is, Slade, did you write this book? Because what you said earlier was exactly what I talk about in the book, which is when you notice that something doesn't feel so good, you know, you're having a bad day, you're, you're angry, you're irritable, you're depressed, you're anxious. The idea, the first step, the tangible step is once you notice that negative feeling, okay, as a society, we're oftentimes conditioned just to run away from it, avoid it, pretend it's not there, maybe drink alcohol, maybe play video games and try to forget about it. But let's not do that. What you should do when you notice that feeling, that uncomfortable feeling is say, oh, what was I thinking just before this? There must be something I was thinking that led to this feeling because Thoughts always come before feelings, but we don't notice the thoughts. Again, your brain just ignores it, but we do notice the feeling. We notice feeling sad. We notice feeling angry. Or sometimes we notice the behavior that comes afterwards. Like, wait a minute, this is my third muffin in five minutes. Like what happened? (laughs) I'm sorry. Right? So so I've been there too. Don't worry. I mean, like, it's like once you start snacking, it's just like, "Mm, it's so good, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So so anyway, it's the idea of once you notice a behavior you don't like or a feeling that you don't like, you you rewind back like, what was I thinking just before this? There's always a thought that you can catch that led you down this path. And once you notice what that thought is, instead of trying to just transform it right there to be like, let me read a positive affirmation and Tony Robbins myself out of it. No, the idea is ask yourself if that thought even has credence. The things that we tell ourselves half the time don't even make any sense. They're totally exaggerations, you're catastrophizing, you're doing that black and white thinking, you're like overly comparing yourself to someone else. So you have to actually ask yourself the first question, which is, okay, like what evidence do I have that this thought is true? And if you Mm -hmm. actually ask yourself that question, half the time, these really damaging thoughts have like no proof associated with them. It's just a thought that you've been percolating in your head since you were 12. And Mm -hmm. once you realize that that thought doesn't have that much credence, then the next step is, Okay, well, if it doesn't have any resemblance in reality, or at least it's not as much reflected in reality as I first thought it was, then do I have to act on it? Like, do I actually have to feel this way? No, you know, you can take another path. So what is that other path? And that's when you start thinking about what's this next behavior that I can do to put myself back on track, especially now that I know that this thought actually doesn't have a lot of credence in reality. So I want to leave everyone with a little tidbit because we could literally keep you all day. <laughs> and, and I have I have so many ideas for you to come back and and please uh, work with us on things that we could discuss because this is this has like been amazing. I hate it when my little board comes up and I'm like, oh man, we're running out of time. I know because I have like 800. <laughs> yeah, we have like so many questions. other questions. But I love I love what you've said in your book and and why you've touched upon this because here's what we do know physiologically, and I think this is important for people to understand. Your brain is a pharmacy. So every chemical in your body, every hormone and every component that the body needs to function comes from the brain. Yes. Your thoughts and your perceptions and the actions that you take 
are a direct reflection as to the formulation of a particular compound that the brain is going to produce. That's mm-hmm. where fight or flight comes from. You get yes. scared. All of a sudden there's adrenaline. All the resources of the body and the brain get driven towards your muscles to run away, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a chemical reaction that takes place that actually initiates the physical action. So yes. what you're telling people to do, which is so freaking brilliant in my opinion, when you go back and you're able to say, look, I feel depressed in this moment. What was the thought that led to the depression? Because that thought cause the brain to produce a chemical dopamine or something to actually cause me to feel depressed because the body's trying to protect itself literally from the thought. Yes. Yes. So it's, it's a fascinating topic to think about the way the body reacts to what you perceive, see, or hear, because it's those thoughts that are creating these chemicals that change your state. So what do you think the thought is when you keep shoving those muffins in your mouth? (laughs) Honestly, honestly. No, legit. I really want, we got to solve this. What is that? No, I'll tell you what it is. That is straight up a distraction. That is straight up a means of getting busy with an activity that is is keeping me from going and doing the hard work I know I need to do to achieve what I want to do achieve. That's all it is. It's a distraction. I'm going to go do that, but you know what? I'm going to take some time to eat a muffin. So what are you going to do to change that? So now you have to start thinking every time you go to stick something in your mouth that you know is unhealthy for you. What are you going to do? So let me give you guys a little tip. I, cause I know this, I know this pattern and I get it so much. And when you have that, you just basically create what what I call it. If then, like if I start shoving the second muffin in my mouth, then I will do this. And you literally write this plan down ahead of time because you know this is going to come up at some point. (laughs) And so then then you basically, there's a trigger point where you put that plan into action. If X happens, then this. And the reason why you want to write it out ahead of time is because when you're already shoving those muffins in your mouth, like, eh, you're already distracted, right? Like you said, Slade. I mean, again, every action has a reaction. Your thought is producing a chemical. It causes a feeling. It causes another behavior. So you don't want to wait till then because by then you're already distracted and mindless and la la la, you're eating like your third muffin, right? So you have to have like a trigger point, which is why you have that if and then written out ahead of time. And then you just kind of like follow the script when you get there. It's exactly what I did last night with you. What did I do last night with you? What did I talk to you about? I said, what is the main reason that I want you to start eating healthy? Because you're worried about my my longevity. Right, Aww. because of why? Because I have a wife and child. Because yeah. he has more so the child. And so I said to him last night, I said, look, babe, I will love you no matter what. Like mm-hmm. whether you're 25 pounds overweight or whatever, that doesn't matter to me. It actually is more that I feel like we have to, we have a responsibility. We're older parents already and we have a responsibility to be around for this child. And so like we have to, we have to make that decision when we're thinking, when we're putting food in our mouth of like, this could actually affect our child's life if we're not mm-hmm. careful, because I wouldn't want to wake up one day and us have, you know, high cholesterol or high blood pressure or a stroke or something horrible happen to us because we are not being smart about what we're putting in our bodies. Because like you're saying, we're coming up with all these other excuses or whatever, we're procrastinating or we're covering something up. It's like, you have to really decide that you want to make that change. And, and it's always good to have your uh, what's the word? Like, what would, what would be the word? Your, 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 your plan? No, but like the thing that makes you motivated to do it. What would, what would that be called? I can't think of the word. Well, right you're, now. <laughs> yeah, you're the, the impetus, the value behind why you do something. And I'm so glad that you're talking about it because that is one of the ways to prevent self-sabotage is like really thinking about why you committed to this goal in the first place. So this is not a goal that you have just because you want to look good in your social media pictures, because let's be honest, right. which is just Photoshop and everybody looks amazing. So right. Okay. Um, right. But, um, but it's really about why do I even care? Why, why does it matter that I eat the third or fourth muffin? Oh, it matters because my overall health matters and I want to be around for a great quality life with my family. And that, that does help you to prevent self-sabotage because you're really rooted in the reason why you have to do it. So, so Slate, I have a question for you. What is your, if then like, and what is it, is it once you put the second muffin in your mouth, like then that kicks in and what is the, then what are you going to do to take yourself out of that behavior? That's a great question. And I don't, I honestly do not know the answer (laughs) because the problem, there's a lot of conditioning here too. I, I grew up, uh, as an athlete, 
Mm-hmm. And consumed a lot of food because it was oh. hard for me to eat enough calories, really, because of my workout routine. Oh, and when that remember changes, remember those great days. <laughs> I do. I used to just eat, sleep, and ride the bike. I mean, that's oh, all I ever so did. Good. So, so I, I remember those days. And so these are just their 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 patterns and their habits that I need to break. I have so much work to do in the evening, and by the time we're done with Sky and we get her down to sleep, it's that quiet time, and I know there's work to do. But I'm like, oh, I just want to eat first. Mm-hmm. I just right. want to sit down for mm-hmm. a second, and then I sit down, and then I eat, and I'm like. Before I know it, I'm too tired to freaking do the work. Yeah. Like I just, I have yeah. to go to bed. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I do, I, I self-sabotage. It's just about poor planning. What I said to her last night was, here's the deal. We simply need to have better choices in the house. We need to get rid of the crap food. We need to be shopping at an organic way, grocery store. By the way, for my defense, he's the one that always goes to the grocery store and comes home with the Oreos and like all this. I'm it's like, It's true. Really? I don't deny it, but you like it a little. <laughs> no, I, but I can, I can manage it. I feel like I'm much you better. You are an enabler. No, I'm much better. I, like, do you or do you not eat the, eat the Oreo? Yes, but babe, but do I'll you eat, eat the ice cream? Listen to me. Do you eat chocolate? I'll eat the Oreo. Enabler. Maybe once or twice a week, you'll sit down and eat the entire box of Oreos in one setting. That's a is, big is difference. I have no self-control. You're an enabler. It shouldn't be in the house. Anyway, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I I know we have to let you go and I want to keep you forever. Um, but let me give you, let me give you, you an idea though for your muffin, because again, oh, please, please, I totally please. feel this. <laughs> I totally so get funny. it. Give like, you an idea for your muffin. For your muffin. Yeah. Gretchen Christine. Oh my God. Yeah. She it. always takes us to that place, doctor. I know. Okay. I, was, I was like, let's walk away with the tangible. Okay. So this is what we know about biology and chemicals. And I know Slade, you already kind of broke this down too. And I know you're a believer in this. So like the idea is that if we can give ourselves 15 to 20 minutes in between like a first and second helping, um, your body's, um, hunger cues actually start to kick in and you start to feel satiated and you might not want Mm -hmm. it in 20 minutes. So maybe it's Mm -hmm. you eat one muffin and before you pick up the second one, you literally set a timer on your phone for 15 minutes. You go do something else, whatever, like fold some clothes, talk to Gretchen, look at your kid, whatever. And then when the timer goes back um, on, ask yourself if you really still want that muffin because like 90% of the time you actually don't after 15 minutes. Like once you've walked away from that danger zone, your body's yep. like, oh, I'm actually pretty satisfied with that one muffin. Then you might actually want to get to work or do whatever else you need to do at that time. That is such great it, advice. It I love that. Advice. I love it, that because I can't tell you how many times that's happened just by default, because what happens is I'm trying to eat something and then I can't get through the whole meal because something comes up with Sky and I have to walk away and go take care of Sky. And then when I come back to, and I'm thinking I'm still like going to eat that and I'm like, wait, I'm not even hungry anymore. Mm-hmm. It's really wild how your body really will talk, tell you and talk to you, but you have to be diligent and like actually paying listening attention to, to that and listening to that. And so that's a really great, that's really great advice to like set a timer and be like, I really don't need the second muffin. And I'm, I don't, you know, I feel like I want it, but do I really need it? And it's kind of doing that test time frame. I love that. So yep. here, here's what I'd love to do. Tangible evidence. I love tangible. I mean, tangible, so- um, Advice. I love it. I'm going to pitch. I'm going to pitch Dr. Judy. Right okay. Now. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I too, Cause I just love talking to you. And so all these ideas come to mind. So we'd love to have you back, obviously. Yeah. And we'll do a little check-in. I'll be, I'll be, I'll show you my, my waistline next time we have a chat, but <laughs> I would love to, I would love to get into a conversation specifically just around the topic of thoughts become things. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that would be so fascinating just because of how we understand the mind works, the chemicals that the brain produces and all these things and how it's yeah. a direct reflection of the body and its reaction. I would love to do that with you because we could do a whole segment on oh that. My and God. I think that'd be really fascinating for people. So please let's do that. Um, Dr. Judy, can you tell us where everyone can find you on social media and where they can listen to your podcast? Absolutely. And I would love to come back. I have so much fun talking to you guys. I mean, we could talk for like five more hours. So I'm glad that we'll have a chance to totally. connect. But we are already friends on social media, Gretchen and Slade and I. My social media handle yes. is at Dr. Judy Ho. And my most active platform is probably Instagram, but I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. And you can also find out more information about me on my podcast, Supercharged Life. As we talked about, we're at one big, happy, exclusive podcast family through Stage 29 Productions. And you can find out more about my work at drjudyho.com. Awesome. And you guys, her book again is called Stop Self-Sabotage. So check that out. Can they just find that like on Amazon or what's the, where's yep. the best place to find it? You can that? find it on Amazon. Perfect. You can find it on my website and you can also link to it through my uh, Instagram as well. And can people take that quiz on your website? Is that where people yep. can find that? Yep. It's a free quiz. Awesome. And uh, then you too will find out what your life factors are as Gretchen and Slade so you guys, have shared <laughs> right, right. That's right. So you guys, that um, quiz is called self-sabotage assessment and you can find that on 
her website. And uh, Dr. Judy, we can't say thank you enough for being here with us today. It was such a pleasure. We had so much fun. Thank you so (laughs) much. Thank you so much. We love you. We can't wait to have you back. Love you too. Bye, doctor. Thank you. Dr. Judy Hunt. (laughs) Our audience in the background. Oh my gosh, that was so amazing, right? I love her. I'm gonna adopt her. <laughs> I want her to like come once a week and just like like psychologize us. Could we work? go to her house and lay on the couch? <laughs> that would be awesome. Okay, question of the day. What should we have everyone kind of evaluate? The question of the day is, do you have the gumballs to go take an assessment? That's my question <laughs> of the day. Yeah, you go to the website, take the assessment, do a little, we, we always tell everyone to do this, right? Yeah. A little self-evaluation. Yeah. But there's so much benefit to come from that. And if you could actually just start finding some of those triggers that are causing the self-sabotage and eliminate that and take steps to like move forward in your life. Yeah. Oh, we'd be heroes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so true. I mean, I would say the question of the day is what areas of your life do you feel like you're self-sabotaging yourself in? Um, and if and I think it'd be great for you to go take that quiz and actually see if the things that you think you're already self-sabotaging yourself in, if that's actually what legitimately is happening. And then that's when you can start to move forward and fix those things and hopefully get out of those, you know, ruts. Bad habits. Yeah. Because the first thing I'm going to do is make sure I go down and eat the last muffin and there's no more coming (laughs) to this house. I'm telling you right now. Here we go. All right, you guys. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and download. And we love you guys. And we'll talk at you next week. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast do not constitute medical or professional advice. Do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please visit stage29.tv.